welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. All right podcast 148 and we're rolling so yeah this podcast is actually going to be following up a podcast that i think is probably going to be getting posted while i'm podcasting this one and both of these podcasts are going to be geared mostly around uh target archery getting back into the swing of things uh hunting season is coming to a coming to a close I guess and well I've kind of made a decision just based off what I'm seeing on my trail cameras that uh, I don't really feel like uh, I don't really feel like I'm going to do my deer population much good if I go out and do much hunting right now I'm probably going to do maybe do some uh, some doe harvesting and doe hunting Um, and I'm going to get after it for my indoor target bow. Yesterday was my first official practice with my colored indoor bow. And today is going to be my second official practice with my uh, colored target bow. And in the last podcast, which um, maybe by the time this one's posted, you've already heard the last one. Um, I talk a little bit. It was it was actually a live feed that we pulled the audio from, um, so it wasn't technically a podcast. It was a live feed um, that we pulled from. But in that, we talked about um, kind of some of the things that I noticed as I was shooting, things that I'm working on. We talked a little bit about goals, and you know, obviously, just paying attention to. Um, how you're shooting when you first start up again. Uh, And this is important because I think it's important on a couple different um, levels. One, if you're a target archer, setting goals too high or having expectations for you to shoot at a certain level um, right out of the gate is going to not really help your self-esteem or your self-image because you're going to be feeling like you're not shooting well when in fact you're probably shooting all right, you just haven't been shooting. Um, So I went in yesterday, um, I kind of went in, honestly, I went into the range yesterday with uh, the mindset that I was not gonna shoot a 300, I just didn't see that happening. Um, I've been shooting some, but the reality is when I was in France, there was no target there. So I didn't shoot the whole time that I was there, which is kind of a whole different, uh, you know, that's a whole different subject on itself when you're on a hunting trip and, you know, you're really rigorous on your equipment, but you don't have a target there to check how you're shooting or to make some warm up shots and things like that. So um, I just didn't do much shooting. And prior to that, the only shooting that I really did for repetition was when I did a few bow builds for some friends and getting their bows sighted in and getting their bows dialed in out to different yardages. Um, But that doesn't do anything for me and how I feel when I'm behind my bow because 
Um, the drawing's different. Structurally, I'm much different. But another thing, too, that I did not talk about yesterday is that with my target bows, I'm shooting my true draw length with my target bows. And um, if you've listened to some podcasts in the past, you've you've heard me talk about that on my hunting bows, I like to shoot a slightly shorter hunting bow. Um, and that's mainly because as I bulk up with clothing, I'm restricted on how much I can draw because you have, you know, you have padding around your arm, mainly where your arm bends in, you know, you start to not be able to fully, you know, fully extend because you've got compression of clothing between your joints. Um, and you know, you just feel a lot different in bulkier clothes. Not to mention, I also like to slightly close my stance, um, just a little bit or sorry open my stance just a little bit so that I have a little bit more clearance on my front sleeve because as you start hunting with thicker clothes you want to make sure you have strength clearance and that actually becomes even more important uh, when you look at these bows that are starting to get a little bit shorter and shorter brace heights so uh now that I'm going back to my target bow, honestly, it feels long. So, and this happens every year once I s- kind of stop um, my hunting bow shooting and get to my target bow. I'm a 31 inch draw, and that's important because when I'm shooting in t shirts and things like that, um, I can expand a lot further. I have to really focus on my posture and standing up straight, keeping my shoulders flat, keeping my chest broad. Um, because, you know, as you're hunting and you're, you know, a lot of times when you're hunting, you're also hiding. So you just get into the habit of kind of shooting small and trying to stay small, especially me. I, I don't really, um, I'm not normally the width of very many trees. So I'm trying to shrug up and hide and be the bush. And when it comes to target archery, you need to stand proud, maintain posture, stand up, shoulders down, chest wide. And that way, as you draw, you have full expansion and you have a proper T formation throughout your chest cavity. Now, yesterday I posted um, some videos. It was actually two shots is all it was. Um, on my Instagram, there is video of me shooting. It's two arrows. And <clears throat> what I did was I had a wide shot for you for those two arrows. And then I um, zoomed in for a closer look at those exact same two shots, uh, just with that was cropped in a little bit tighter. The difference between those two shots, if you want to go back and look, is the first shot, which was actually the second arrow of that end, I was standing with good posture. I was, you know, standing up, shoulders were down. I had a full expansion in my chest cavity. I was able to raise my bow to the target, draw back, maintain good posture. Now for the second arrow or the second shot, which was technically my third arrow, I actually did not maintain that. And if you would have, and if you look from the rear view of that shot, I actually drew back and I kind of pushed, 
pushed my abdomen out and kind of sat back more in my shot. So you can almost see that it looks like I have a, a bigger belly in the second one. And that really has a lot to do with your pelvic positioning. You know, with your pelvis, you can kind of roll your pelvis forward or you can you know, you can become lazy and you actually roll it back. So you're almost sitting back. And when you roll it back and then you're sitting back, it makes you appear like you have a bigger stomach, but it's actually your, your pelvis that is positioned different. And when you do that, if you look from the side, instead of standing straight up and having a good vertical posture, your posture actually sways back and up like this. So you're kind of just sitting back into the shot. Um, and that's pretty common with me as I um, start to practice for the first time because I'm not really focusing on those different strengths and the small things of shooting small. You know, I can sit here and shoot small or I can bring air into my chest cavity, I can bring my shoulders back, my chest is out, and then I shoot with full expansion as well as a completely vertical and tight and erect um, posture and pretty much my core is much tighter. Um, I get a little bit lazy with that during the hunting season, so that's one thing that was really, really important for me to think about. And another thing that happened yesterday, which I did talk about in the last podcast was the, uh, sorry, that was my ring on my glass desk. Um, the third arrow was for the first three or four ends. My third arrow was just barely catching, um, at 11 o'clock on the target. And what was happening was I just wasn't used to shooting three arrows in that type of speed and rhythm. And the other thing too, you need to remember, this is important, is with my target bow, the let off is much lower than it is on my hunting bow. So on my hunting bows, I can get lazy and I can kind of just get to the point where I can kind of sit back in that valley. And especially now, and this could be why, why I struggled, you know, if you're just a bow hunter, this new cam, like I'm shooting right now on the RX-1, the new cam is awesome because as a hunter, you can pull back and you can hold it full draw for a long time and you can be comfortable back there and be lazy without feeling like it's going to take the string out of your hand. With my target bow, that is not the case. And here's the reason why. Most target archers prefer a lower let off and the reason they prefer that is because it actually takes the string um, away from your face and really through the draw cycle faster because the cams aren't having to ramp up with that let off. So the higher your let off or the easier it is to hold it full draw and the longer your valley, which is pretty much that small little point of when your bow breaks over and you and you come into your anchor point some bows you feel like you could just sit back there and you can almost kind of find your anchor without the bow wanting to take it away from you and some bows have a very short valley um, 
you know, super short valley, like some of the turbo cams, um, some of the, some of the faster, like PSE Omen was probably one of the worst I felt, um, for taking it away. So, um, <laughs> Chad Mendez is watching the live feed right now. Chad, you need to go back to bed. Chad and I are going to be, um, representing team Traeger at the Turkey hunting world championships this April. And we're going to look like, uh, we're going to look like Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger and twins when we freaking go out there. Actually, we should wear those outfits into our turkey blinds. So that's going to, maybe that'll be our plan. Um, so <laughs> make sure everyone waits. Um, yesterday in the live feed, I also showed um, Chad Mendez's arrow, which is very nicely jabbed through the back wall of my building about 12 feet up in the air. I have no idea how it got there. All I know is I left him and my friend Torsten at my range alone for like an hour together. And I come back and Chad's arrow is buried in the wall and they can't get it out. Torsten's shot completely through my wall, through my building, and there's a perfect bullet hole through my tin on the outside of my building. <laughs> so, um, yeah, don't leave your friends home at your range. It's not going to turn out too good. So, uh, but yeah, with, with the target bows <clears throat> and the let off, a lot of target archers prefer that demanding cam and that's why a lot of target archers like the spiral cams because they're forced to making very dynamic pulls and dynamic you know tension against that wall and as that release breaks because the valley is short and because the let off is low the string is coming away from the face faster and this is important because the the little delay that there is when that release lets go of your loop, that arrow is sitting back there in that small portion of your face. <clears throat> your let off on your bow is going to determine how long that sits back there. And we're talking about, um, you know, thousandths of a second. It's very minor, but it also allows a lot of things to happen because facial pressure or the direction of your hand and how long that's sitting back there is going to be really, really important. The other thing, too, is some of the bows with very, very high let off, the string is actually a little bit looser when you're sitting at full draw. So if you have a variation in your hand angle with your release, or if you have a variation in how your hand comes away from your face as you shoot, um, that string has the ability to make more movements, which is going to cause some movements in your, in your arrow, and it's going to cause some left and rights. So these are all like small little details that I've learned over the years that I have to pay attention to. Um, but more importantly, I have to just get used to them. Um, as I right now at my range, I've actually been taking some of my old bows um, that one metals or something like that and i've been kind of putting them back together the way they were originally were at that time and i'm kind of just lining them up as almost like a timeline um mainly just for i guess cosmetic appeal um but as i build those old bows and pull them back 
I, I can't help but say, how in the heck did I do anything with this bow? They feel so different. And the reality is I would have to do shoot it enough times to where I would almost forget about how my current bows feel um, to where that would start to feel normal again. And that's kind of the position that I'm at with my target bows is getting used to the feel of that cam and how demanding it is. And part of the reason why um, I struggled yesterday was because I was getting tired, really tired on that third arrow. Those 11 o'clock misses were all representation of me creeping a little bit forward and the arrows hitting high on the target. So kind of what I naturally did was I just kind of leaned against the wall a little bit more. So I, my abdomen was a little bit more poked out. I was trying to just lean against the wall. And you know, for those watching right now, there's a big difference between shooting like this and shooting like this. You know, head position and lean is something that you can easily do, but it has an effect on where the arrows land. So these are all small little mistakes that I was making yesterday um, as I was shooting. And these are all little things that I'm going to try to do some podcasts and some live feeds to just kind of talk to you about all this while I'm while they're fresh in my mind because a lot of this stuff are things that I take for granted and just as you know a seasoned archer you know these little fine details that you start to think about um you know back wall feel um let off feel torso position expansion posture um you know keeping the core tight as you shoot um even just the cadence the cadence of shooting, which is one thing that I really wanted to get into yesterday. I was really um, focused on not trying to take a long time to shoot as if I was, uh, you know, out there shooting the bull and shooting in my backyard, which is kind of what I do during hunting season. So I really just wanted to shoot an arrow, reload, go through my shot routine in my mind, raise the bow, draw back, come into my peep, pin on the target, start the movement of my shot, come through, bring the bow down, reload out of the quiver. I was really trying to just get into that cadence and the first arrows felt great. The second end, all of a sudden I felt like maybe I was a little bit weak on that last, uh, the last arrow. By the third end, I was like, okay, I'm definitely being weak on my third arrow. So um, I kind of just, the fourth arrow, I kind of leaned into it a little bit. And then I caught myself doing it. And I said, okay, here's the better thing to do for right now. It's obvious I'm not in tournament shape so um, or target archery shape. So the best thing for me to do is I would actually kind of think about the shot that I wanted to make for my third arrow. I would take that time to think about that shot. I would take a few more breaths than what I normally would. You know, I'd breathe a few more times, maybe take 10 or 15 seconds as a rest, and then load up, visualize a shot one more time, then raise, draw, and shoot. So I was almost adding about an extra 20 seconds 
between the second arrow and the third arrow as, you know, to pretty much get me back on target and back able to maintain posture, aim center, and pull through the shot. So it worked, and even though uh, it worked for several ends, as I continued shooting, once I got into those, um, if you look at my target, I showed you my score. It was a 300, but it was a very low X 300, and I think there's a couple reasons to that. One is um, just I was not shooting super strong, um, but also... You know, I realized that the arrow that I took was an arrow that I that I had built for a totally different bow. Last year, I did shoot some of the super drive arrows for indoor at the end of the indoor season. However, those arrows actually had um, 50 grains more in the point, and they also had a three inch vein on the back. Um, versus now, um, you know, now the arrows that I have are were set up for 3d with a bow that was a little bit higher in poundage as well as i changed the points out and went down to 110 grain point instead of the 150s i think and it has a shorter vein on there so it was it was a totally different beast altogether and the the way the two paired uh was not as well, it wouldn't be tournament ready. It would be something where I could go and I could probably shoot a, a five spot round, and you know I could easily shoot a three hundred on a five spot round. Actually, I don't think I could shoot a three hundred on a five spot round right now because the way that I was struggling on the third arrow on the Vegas face, um, I would struggle even more on the fourth, and then even more on the fifth. So a couple things that I'll do there is I'm going to spend this week just doing the same thing that I did. I'm actually changing arrows. I'm going to shoot a different arrow today and just go back to changing arrows and really try to figure out where my baseline is and like what kind of my X count is and kind of really determine where where I'm at right now for shooting. Am I a 25x shooter or am I a 19x shooter? I need to kind of figure that part out um, because that really helps me in in how much pressure or how much I'm really going to put on myself for what I'm going to work on. But then the next thing is I'm really going to key in on making sure that I have full strength for those third arrows and later in the rounds, the second and third arrows. So what I'm probably going to do is I will go to a Vegas face, I'll put another one next to it, or even a single one next to it, and I'll start incorporating a fourth arrow into my shooting. So instead of me each and every time just having three arrows, three arrows, three arrows, I'll start to get to the point where I work in that fourth. Um, And it's a lot like, you know, in weightlifting, if you... um, if you're always going for just 10 reps, 10 reps, 10 reps, um, a lot of times you end up plateauing. Whereas if you take that same weight and try to get two or five more reps out of that same weight, I've found that I almost make more progression with that rather than just increasing my peak weight and then trying to get the same amount of reps again i always feel like higher repetition you know builds in really that stamina that you need so 
Um, that's what I do to start with the Vegas faces. Then what I'll do is I'll move into actually putting up two of them to where I'll run ends of six. So I can literally just run three arrows at a time. Uh, when I do that, I can shoot high numbers of arrows if I'm shooting um, two Vegas faces at a time, um, which I think is important if you're training for Vegas. Um, I've seen a lot of different issues with people when it comes to indoor rounds. I've seen a lot of mental blocks. Some of the mental blocks that I've seen is people feeling like they can shoot way better on one spot than they can on another. Another mental block I've seen is people that say, I can always shoot a 300 when the target's on the bottom. But as soon as we get to the halfway point and I have to bring it to the top, you know, I can't shoot near as good. So, you know, you have to prepare for that. And as I practice my indoor, I'll get to the point where I actually put one target at the bottom half of my bale, one target at the top, and I will shoot. You know, I'll shoot them all the way down and build in that stamina. And then as I do that, uh, and as Vegas rounds taper away after Vegas and people start to focus on the five spot NFAA face, you've actually already built in your extra practice arrow to where the five face uh, stamina wise is um, going to be much easier for you. So a lot of times if you're struggling on that five spot face and if you look at your targets, your targets tell you the tale. If you look at your targets and you notice that fifth spot or oftentimes it's the fourth spot will just start to get really dodgy where your groups are just spraying out and your worst groups are on that fourth dot. And a lot of times you make, you know, you start to lose mental focus and you start to get weak and you kind of get a little bit sloppy and shitty on the fourth spot. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh man, that arrow could be out or that was a terrible shot. And then you get yourself back together and that fifth spot ends up looking pretty clean. So you really need to work um, on getting away from those mental blocks and these are some of the ways that I've learned to do it. You know, adding at first, adding in just one spot to where you shoot your three, then go ahead and add in that fourth and, and score that fourth on a separate piece of paper. So, um, you know, if you have a Vegas face that you put to the side of yours, just, you know, on your fourth arrow, shoot all 10 ends just at that top spot and put dots over there so you know how you would have scored. I almost score that single round um, just on its own. You know, I'll score that as well. So, um, and then, you know, one target face will give you the ability to do that three times. Um, and as you start to work through that, you're gonna be able to find that once you start, you know, adding in that fourth, then you can move into shooting on double faces and once you get really comfortable with those double faces and also learning to shoot top and bottom, that's going to help you prepare for a lot of mental blocks that you may have um, on target faces. And then um, the other thing is uh, it'll totally prepare you for the five spot face and it also will really have you prepped for once we move outdoor and you're starting to shoot six arrow ends at 
you know, 50 meters, or if you're going to shoot a, um, if you're going to go shoot a field round, obviously you're going to be totally comfortable with that. Um, and this is important too, because in field rounds, like with feet of field, even though you're shooting three arrows, <clears throat> you, a lot of times in feet of field, especially if it's an unmarked round, you're drawing back, you're pretty much ranging, you know, you're scoping, you're ranging the target, and then you're letting down to determine, you know, you're pretty much going to have to set your sight after you range uh, that target face. So once you do that, um, a couple times, sometimes if it's a very steep angle, you're going to do it and double check it. So even though you've got three arrows, you've pulled back once or twice just to scope or range your target um, in order to let down and then make your shot. So all this stuff that I'm talking about right now builds into, um, really it just builds into um, what you're going to need later in the year. Um, so I've got a few questions that I kind of um, screenshotted from social media um, and I wanted to touch on those here quick. Um, they're a little bit random, not totally um, target related, they're a little bit random. Um, so I'm going to take a look at these. Uh, the first one, uh, and these are in no particular order, is from, gosh, I don't know if it's Andre Jaja. That's my guess. Um, let's see here. So um, he's asking, John, any tips on shoulder pain when shooting the shoulder on the release hand? So shoulder pain on the release arm is a pretty tough one and this is something that this could be something certainly that's pre-existing things that you've done or especially if you're working out different types of shoulder movements that you're making that are starting to impinge that range of motion uh you know it's oftentimes shoulder pain um on the release arm is kind of a flag or an indicator of rotator cuff because with rotator cuff muscles a lot of times when they're inspecting you for rotator tears um, you know or discomfort they try to bring your elbow above the shoulder because if you have a rotator cuff tear you actually can't do that so the release hand coming up to the face and the elbow coming up in order to bring the rear arm in the correct position. Um, if you're having pain, that's going to be an indicator that you could have some flare up on that. So certain types of ranges of motion um, that you're doing or maybe pre-existing things that you've done or also possible bone spurs, the best thing for you to do is to get that checked out and have it determined what that is. Um, and then from there, you can kind of move forward on what you need to do. Um, I had a friend in England that had a lot of discomfort when he'd bring that arm up. Um, and he got to the point where he started shooting very level just to avoid that, um, that discomfort. Um, started bringing the elbow down almost level with the shoulder to avoid it. Um, but eventually I told him you need to go get it checked out. And he ended up finding he had some bone spurs that had developed in there. Um, that were giving him that pain. So he had those bone spurs removed and he was able to uh, really get that, uh, get that taken care of and comfortable pretty dang fast. Now when it comes to tears, um, 
my really good friend, uh, Mike Slinkard, who you guys have heard on the podcast before, um, Mike actually started to develop some serious pain and got to the point where um, this summer he could only maybe shoot one or two arrows and that was it. He could pretty much pull back, make a shot. By the second one, he was really hurting. The third one, you know, was not something he would want to do. So he's been hunting, but he um, he just hasn't been able to shoot. So he called me and asked me what I thought he should do about it. And I actually directed him to um, Dr. Roddy McGee. Is That's where I went to get... Um, I had him look at my shoulder that I had fixed, and I also had him look at, I had um, some bicep problems, two tears that were from the top and one coming up from the bottom. So my drawing arm had a tear that were incredibly discomforting, and I got to the point where I couldn't even hold a jug of milk straight out if my arm was at a 90 degree. Um, it just had a tremendous amount of pain and that's just from all the years of pulling with your hand in the same position as what you would hit a hammer with. So um, I went to Dr. Uh, McGee and I ended up getting stem cell injections in my bicep, um, two high and one low and it completely repaired and rebuilt my bicep and forearm tears. Uh, and just completely changed my lifting, changed my shooting, changed everything. So I sent, um, I told Mike to call Dr. McGee and um, he called him. He ended up talking to him um, and found out he was a, a perfect candidate um, for stem cell injections for his rotator. T- he did have rotator cuff tears and he uh, went down there about three weeks ago and got the injections, and uh, he's he, he told me, he said he can't believe it. He said that actually a week or two weeks after his stem cell injections, he said he was down helping his daughter, and she was trying to cut firewood for a camp out or something, and he said that he ended up finding himself he had actually been sitting there cutting firewood with an axe for he said like 30 minutes to an hour and he said he all of a sudden just stopped and kind of looked at his daughter and he's like have i just been swinging this axe around all day and she's like yeah and he just said i can't believe it i haven't had any discomfort and he was just sitting there uh chopping wood so depending on what your local doctor finds and what they tell you i can I can recommend to any archer out there, if you have any type of rotator cuff tear or um, maybe a tear in the bicep or forearms or anything like with tennis elbow or something like that, um, even knee stuff, um, you need to, I guess you would just Google it, but, um, and Joe Rogan's the one that introduced me to, uh, to Dr. McGee. Um, so if you just type in Dr. Roddy, R-O-D-D-Y, and then McGee, M-C-G-E-E, you're going to just see um, a whole bunch. He'll come up because I think so many people have been researching him. Um, and he's been on he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast. Actually, 
the Joe Rogan Experience number 945. Uh, you can listen to him, and I would highly recommend that um, because it's a it could be a great way for you to get repaired and back on track. The only number I have for him is a cell number, and I don't know if I should give that out. Um, so, yeah, that's that is that. Let's see here. Um, <clears throat> next question is from. The Swole Hunter, he's on Swole Patrol, people, Um, jacked. He's jacked. Um, So he's saying, uh, with the 5mm FMJ, do you need um, a special insert uh, to shoot the Rage Tripan? So on a 5mm, you will not. On a um, 4mm, the Deep 6, you would. You would actually... I don't even know if they make a tripan for the four millimeter. I haven't even checked for the deep six injection, but for the fives or the sixes, you can shoot a standard, uh, a standard broadhead thread size. So uh, get after it, and that's one of the reasons why I don't shoot deep six arrows, to be honest as well. Let's see here, uh, tattoo by magic. He's saying, hey, Dud, I've been trying to get some info from you. I shoot the same draw length as you, and I am uh, and I shoot 70 pounds. I have the Easton Axis 260s and feel like I'm, um, well, I think there's a typo here, seeing some flailing. You might be talking about fishtailing. was wondering what length arrow you shoot um, and if the 300 spine would be better. So uh, just for you, since you're saying you have the same draw length as me, um, I actually shot the 260s with brass on with a brass insert. So with the 50 grain brass, um, it was able to break that spine down a little bit so that the arrow wasn't too stiff at 70 pounds. And the other thing too is, at 70 pounds, I or at, with the 260 arrow, I was shooting 50 grain brass, but I was also shooting over 70 pounds i might have been shooting as much as 75 to 77 pounds um so i think you could be slightly on the stiff side of things so either put some brass in the front of that and try to uh you know weaken that spine a little bit or increase your poundage otherwise um the 300s is what i'm shooting right now i'm shooting the 300s with my 70 pound bows uh and having good luck with it um so actually i shoot a 300 with my 70 pound rx1 right now i'm shooting a 300 uh spine six millimeter with 50 grains uh brass in the front and a 100 grain head i believe carbon to carbon i think my cut is right at 28 and a half inches um so hopefully that helps you brother um the Everyday Archer is saying, as you said to me, um, take time to reflect between shots. Um, looks like you're just doing reps. So this this comment that he make, it made is actually um, a comment that he's making because of the video that I posted. And I told people straight up, you know, analyze it. What do you see? I wanted to try to see if you guys picked out the mistakes that I was making. Um, this is actually a very good... Um, this is something good that he noticed because, um, like I said earlier, 
I was focused on the cadence. I was focused on trying to just get arrows in a cadence and in a systematic order. So the fact that he said, you know, I didn't, it looks like I didn't take time to reflect between the shots. Um, and it looks like I was just doing reps. In fact, I was. Um, so that's a very good observation. <clears throat> the other thing too is that was actually the very last end. And I shot the first arrow and put it in the put it in the ten ring. And then when I and then I realized, you know, someone's gonna wanna have a video of me shooting today. So I actually stopped, had to get some duct tape and duct taped my phone up so that I could get that uh, video of those last two arrows. So part of the reason why I shot that quick was because I actually took a break between the first, second, and third arrow already so i was completely rested um if i would have had that playing from the beginning shot one to shot three you would have probably saw me uh slow down as i went so uh next question rugged truck 04 is asking how many yards is your indoor practice range so um it's 60 feet uh, by the time the target's on the wall, um, it's a, just a little bit short, pretty much the depth of a block target. So I don't know. It's about. It's probably about two and a half feet short uh, of a full 20 yards. Uh, let's see here. Next question is, uh, same. there's another person, uh, County Line Firearms is, um, just watching that shooting video so you can find that shooting video on my Instagram um, he's saying uh, this really helped me um, I was at the range this morning too and put so much pressure on my sh on myself that I really wasn't shooting the X's um, I shot well but I was pissed at myself um, for the low X count and I ended up dropping um, and I ended up dropping a high left nine. Um, and then I read this. So he literally shot one high left, um, which is an indicator of a creep or a breakdown. Um, and pretty much just said, I'm still hunting really hard and haven't shot many indoor rounds at all. I'm shooting a brand new bow and cams, etc. So reading this um, is going to help me continue on with my training. So yeah, that's important things for you to think about. Um, if you don't, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get down um, because you're, you know, if you've got a good positive self-image, which is important, you think about how you have shot, how you view yourself as a shooter. But the reality is when you go in and make a change like that, um, there's a lot of small little details that, you know, get a little bit tough. And that's why even though most good target archers can shoot 300s with any bow they pick up the difference between them shooting 300s and shooting super super clean rounds is their ability to really fine tune and get the feel of that draw cycle and that exact poundage and break over how much they can get away with um, in that back wall and also that high left arrow can really come from people that start to aim um, there was a few times I was shooting a new release yesterday. I was actually shooting a two smooth. 
Um, so uh, some people notice the difference in my hand movement with that release, which it is a hinge release. So there will be slight differences in how you have to shoot it, um, which when it comes out, I'll teach you that. Um, but I did find myself starting to aim more than pull through. And when I did, I would creep. And as I would creep a little bit and the shot would break, you know, I would send one a little bit off. So that's a learning curve as well. You know, I wasn't, um, I haven't shot a hinge release for indoor rounds in quite some time. So that's going to be a completely different commitment and a different, um, you know, it's going to be a completely different feel and a different commitment for me to be able to shoot that at the level that I can shoot when I'm really at my best and I'm and I'm peaking. Um, the knock to it, the silverback, they're so similar in how you shoot them. You can transfer back and forth, and you're not going to have as much difference in feel. But when you're talking about a tension release or a thumb release versus a hinge release, these are very very different. Um, feels different slightly different movements and also in my how I look at it just a slightly different mental triggers as well of what's going through my head so when those come out and people start to buy them we will have some training sessions on those um and yeah that's that uh also uh, lots of questions here about knock to it's and silverbacks there are more silverbacks in stock right now Knock to its are actually in route. Um, they have shipped. So um, we had hoped they would have been here um, earlier this week, checked in, inspected, ready to roll. Um, but they're, they're going to be getting here. Some will get here today. Some's getting here tomorrow. Uh, there's pretty much five straight days of batches coming. Um, but we won't post those until we get them um, all in and inspected. So just based on the day, um, you need to definitely make sure um, you've signed up for the notification on the website. If you're interested in a knock to it, you need to make sure that you've gone on, click the notify me box, put your email in there. Um, and because what happens is as soon as we load new inventory in on an item that's been backordered, the system automatically pushes out one email blast to everyone that wants to be notified when that's back in stock. And if we load that inventory in before we have enough product to meet how many people are there, the email only goes one time. So what I'll tell you right now is if you get that email and they've, you all of a sudden you go and you check and they're already sold out by the time you get there, um, you might need to just check again, you know, keep checking because there's going to be a couple different waves of them coming. Um, I do know that we will not be getting enough to cover how many people have signed up for that. So you do need to be on the ball. Um, so uh, be ready because knock to it. If everything goes as planned, um, they will be a big batch of well I shouldn't say a big batch because there's a bigger number of you that are waiting so um, and some of you will not get them uh, that's just how it is they can't make enough to meet what the 
the notify me list is right now. But um, that should go up and get rocking, um, well, maybe even, you know, right before Christmas or the day after Christmas. So if you get some, if someone's wanting to know what to get for Christmas, they're here. They just aren't on the website yet. They're in route. Unless the UPS driver loses them, in which obviously all of us are going to have to beat the guy and i don't know we're gonna have to do something to him send our tough friends after him um this next question is a good one uh chandler underscore coffee saying um i'm hunting in colorado this year the regulations say that the max let off is 80 percent um if i get the modules for my new uh bow um, so I can bring my let off down to 80%, um, which right now I have it on 85% let off. What changes or variations should I expect to see, if any? Um, so, I mean, you're definitely going to see a little bit difference in how the cam feels. Um, lower let off is normally going to give you a little bit more speed as well. Um, so, you know, it's really hard to say. If you're someone that... Um, you know, one, I, I don't know if if the let off is always in every draw length 100% true at 85%. And the other thing, too, is if you buy aftermarket strings and cables, um, if that cable diameter is slightly larger, which is very, very common, by the way, slightly larger than what comes factory on the bow your let off will actually go down so i would highly recommend you measure that and um and really see where that's at because i know with mine when i beef my strands up a few strands in my cables my let off goes down automatically and um i know that right now my bow is completely legal anyway even though i have that uh cam number so um and yeah, I think the difference between 80 to 85%, you know, especially on a 70 pound bow, that's really, really minimal. You're talking, you know, you're only talking 5% difference if you're shooting a 60 pound bow. I mean, 5% is pretty minimal. Um, I don't know if the wardens really carry that around. I think they're more worried about bows that completely lock into position, like that would be a concern of theirs. Um, so, but yeah, Hoyt does offer, if you're worried about it, they do offer a lower let off module. So you can change to that. It won't be a big change. You'll probably just notice, um, a little bit shorter Valley and obviously a little bit more holding weight. Um, and you will have to, you will have to sight in different for it. You know, it will, it will slightly change your arrow speed, um, you know, as well. So. Let's see, uh, artist underscore archer underscore M uh, has been saying that he's been waiting on indoor instruction. Said he's stuck in the 280s for score and can't um, can't quite make it into the 300s. Needs help in development. So really follow along on this process that I'm doing for my training. Uh, focus less on outcome. Focus less on worrying about that score and focus more about um posture you know rhythm and really trying to get into that cadence 
maybe bumping the numbers of arrows that you shoot up one or two to where you can get more efficient and feel stronger within those scorable arrows. Um, you know, push yourself a little bit. Don't just shoot five arrows every end because you're wanting to shoot a five spot. You need to bring in that other arrow. Um, it's important because if you have to, if you're at a tournament and you get a little bit nervous and you let down one time, then you draw back. Well, now you're shooting a sixth arrow for the first time and it can make a difference. So follow along um, as I'm working on indoor and as I do these podcasts. And I think, I definitely think I'm going to help you improve those scores. So uh, next question here is from Mo Boogie 93 He's saying, how do you have your SuperDrives 23 set up for indoor, and does it differ from your 3D? So, yeah, I did answer that a little bit on the last podcast, which might be posted by now. I don't know. Um, and this podcast that I'm doing right now, I've talked about that. The difference was about 50 grains in point weight, as well as the fletching configuration. On my 3D bow, I shot the Pro Max vein, whereas for the indoor, I'm going to go back to a 3-inch a three inch uh, max stealth vein and I'm gonna put a little bit more turn on it the other thing I want to talk about too is on my indoor bow right now I'm actually shooting a um, elevate freak bar with the whale tail so I'm actually shooting as a fall away uh, limb driven fall away setup um, with my indoor bow I'm not shooting a launcher blade so uh, it's the first time I've done that in a while, and I feel like I'm going to make a few little tweaks. I'll talk to you surely as we go, and uh, yeah, you can all kind of follow along with that. Um, Elite Shooter 55 saying, do you blank bail when you first start practicing, or do you go right to paper? Um, yeah, so I'll do some warm-ups. I'll really try to, a lot of times I'm just like stretching my arms, trying to bring my full range of motion in um, I'll do a lot of like windmills just really trying to bring circular motions into my arms to warm up the shoulder joints um, if you'll notice there's actually um, there's battle ropes there's steel maces and there's also kettlebells at my indoor shooting facility um, so a lot of times I'll warm up my shoulders with a steel mace um, I know Greg Poole's you know, late to the ball game, breaking out his steel mace video. Um, but I'm the original OG steel macer, um, courtesy of Isik down at the Onnit Academy. And um, also, battle ropes are really good. If you have light ones, they're really good to just warm up the shoulders. Um, I'll do that. And then, yes, I will do. Um, I'll normally just shoot at an open bale and try to get some you know or i'll leave someone's target up that's one thing that's kind of a pet peeve to me or when i see targets that just have like splatter marks of arrows where there's one target face and everybody in the archery shop is shot at it for five days and um a lot of times i'll warm up on that face and then i immediately have to go to a fresh face uh, that's my thing. Probably my biggest expense in archery is target faces. Um, I have to buy them and, you know, a hundred, a hundred rolls, <laughs> rolls of a hundred at a time. 
Um, so yeah, every, you know, a lot of times I'll go through, um, three to five brand new target faces a day. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of my deal. And also my targets when, when I have people come and shoot at my brand new block targets and they spray them all out with arrows everywhere, it, it wigs me out. So I either have to put a target face over the top of them or, um, get a new one. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm weird that way. It's, it's one of my, one of my things. Um, let's see here. Can you talk about your breathing cadence during the shot process and how to control your heart rate while on the line? Just participated in a shoot and it was intense. Um, and that's from T N Taylor. So yeah, um, I breathe, um, Try to breathe as systematically as you can. Um, I draw in, normally I'm breathing all the way up into the point where I'm raising my bow up. And as I raise my bow up, I also take in a deep breath. So I'll come in, come into my anchor. And sometimes I'll do shallow breaths as I'm anchoring and coming into my peep. But as soon as I come into my peep site and my pin moves to my target, my breathing just stops and literally I'm going through my motion and if my natural chest cavity is allowing air out, then that's what's happening. Air can be released, but if I have to draw air in again, then I definitely cancel that shot. Um, so next question here, I've got one minute remaining on my live feed next question and the last question is from t-bone he's asking what my tournament schedule is going to be wants to see me shooting indoors again um i'm not preparing specifically for a tournament or or circuit but i am 100 percent preparing myself to be ready if i need to shoot um also i feel like as i do this and i put myself into a competition mode or a competition ready mode, which I don't think I'll ever be competition ready like I was back when I was super serious about it. But as I do that, it gives me the ability to do these podcasts and talk with you about things that are fresh in my mind and help all of you out there on things that you should work on. It's as a coach, I've always said, learn from those who do and not from those who talk about it. Um, I do it. I've done it. I've made most of the mistakes I've talked about. I've made every mistake I've talked about. Um, so I want you to know you're not alone there. And I want you guys to be able to grow with me. And me putting myself back into those elements is the best way for this to be fresh in my mind so that I'm able to really speak from my experience in the moment versus my experience of the past um, I think it's important to bring both of those things together. So with that said, everybody, you're awesome. Thanks for all the support. New shirts, new hats at knockonarchery.com. Please support me. And you are awesome. Thanks, everybody, so much for tuning in to another Knock On podcast. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing knockonarchery.com